Amazing. Hey, could you stay standing? The Bible says that we should enter God's gates with praise and thanksgiving. Now, I just think that we should start off just by praising God just for a second for everything that He's done, everything that He's about to do. Come on. That's a good praise. God, we worship You. We praise You. God, You are so worthy. God, You are so holy. God, we enter Your gates with thanksgiving. God, we enter Your courts with praise. Come on, you can do better than that. He is so worthy. God, we worship you. King of kings, Lord of lords. God, would you fill this room this morning? We're asking just with our hands out. God, we thank you for Build Summit. God, we're not laboring in vain. God, you are building the house. And so God, even right now with our hands outstretched, it's our earnest prayer and our desire to build according to your blueprint. God, help us to build this house. Help us to build our families. Help us to build the ministries. In fact, God, they're not even ours, they're yours. And so God, right now we surrender our plans and we say, God, would you have your way in our, in our heart, in my heart. In the mighty name of Jesus, come on and faithful people said, amen, amen. You can grab a seat. It is so good to be here. Thank you so much, Pastor Mark, Pastor Nina. Thank you to the band as well. I just want to say from the outset, it is an honor to be here. Um, I, I love Pastor Mark and Pastor Nina, some of the greatest encouragers in the world. Um, how many of you love your senior pastors? And I, I, I honestly, I'll be honest with you, it is a real blessing for me to be here. Uh, obviously, even seeing Pastor Danny, Pastor Danny wouldn't know this, but he's a hero of mine as well. And I'm just glad that I get to be amongst family, a brother from another mother, slightly different color, but you know what? Here we are. I'm ready to go. And um, I, I feel like I do have a word on my heart uh, that, that I feel is for this room. I feel like it's for you. And uh, I just pray that you would just lean in this morning and, um, I, you know, it's not about information this morning, it's about transformation. And so, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would transform our hearts in the name of Jesus. First John 2, 5 to 6 says this, But whoever keeps his word, in him truly love for God is perfected. By this we may be sure that we are in him. And I love it. I want us just to lean on this for a second. He who says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. He who says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And I thought that the best way that I could maybe title this sermon is Jesus Walks. And I, this is not a Kanye song, by the way, because Kanye did write a song called Jesus Walks. It was my anthem in 2007 uh, when I sort of rededicated my life to the Lord. And I'm about it. I like the song. I like the lyrics. But I was challenged as a follower of Jesus that do I walk in the way in which he walks? Like I was challenged. And you know when the Holy Spirit challenges you and a lot of the times when he challenges you, it's not a confident, yes, I do. In fact, oftentimes what it sort of suggests is that, hang on, maybe I need to change the way in which I walk. I'm easily influenced. And you would think, oh, really, Isaiah? Like somebody who's full of the Holy Spirit, I am. I'll tell you how I'm influenced. If I... If I watch too much um, Netflix, for example, and like if I watch Suits, how many of you have watched Suits? Which, by the way, this is not a recommendation. I'm just saying. I watched Suits with my wife. It was a, it was a, it was a show in which we were watching, and, and I was watching Harvey Specter, and I noticed, right, because I'm easily influenced, I noticed that uh, I was approaching meetings the way Harvey Specter would approach meetings. And if you want to be a pastor for a long period of time, you cannot approach meetings like Harvey Specter. 
Okay, for starters, you can't wear a three-piece suit in Queensland. And secondly, you cannot talk to people the way Harvey Specter talks to people. It's different. But I'm easily influenced. I, I was watching a show recently. It was a British show. And I started speaking British. Like, uh, there was a real issue here in my heart where I started noticing that I was, I was so easily influenced. Not just the British TV show. I, I, if I watch Chef's Table, I'm so inspired by the creativity, by the way, in which God gave every person. And sometimes all of the creative gifts aren't in the church, believe it or not. But Chef's Table was incredible. I'd watch them. They'd shake out the, the blanket. They'd set the table. And I was inspired to make dishes like Chef's Table. And so because I was so easily influenced, I would start to make things which I should have never attempted to make. Things would get burnt. Things would get wrecked. I read three tablespoons. I was sure it was three tablespoons of, uh, uh, of Chinese five spice. It was three teaspoons. You know what I mean? Like, it was a bad dish. It was a bad dish. Easily influenced. It wasn't just Chef's Table. I, if I watch reality TV shows, I somehow think that I can also go out to dinner every night. My budget would suggest that I cannot do that. I'm easily influenced. And then I, I thought to myself, like, I, I'll say to Renee, like, I, I, maybe I shouldn't watch this. You know what I mean? Like, not because it's bad or explicit or, 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 or there's a conviction around it. I just thought, like, I, I'm just easily influenced. There was a guy at my school. His name was Asher. And uh, he would walk on his tippy toes everywhere he went, which resulted in huge calves, by the way. And I remembered watching him walk on his tippy toes everywhere he went. And it was like a gazelle. And I remembered I was like, man, that is a really strange way of walking. And I, I remembered I would look at him. And, and, and my mom would tell me not to stare. But I was enamored by the way in which he walked. I remember he would walk and I'd just look and stare at him like, man, the majestic gazelle walking across B Block. You know what I mean? Like, look at him walk. And I, th I sort of thought to myself, where did he get that walk from? Where did he get that walk from? How did he learn to walk like that? It's a strange walk. And then I saw his dad. And his dad also walked on his tippy toes. And I realized something. Man, Asher has just imitated what he's seen his entire life. In fact, Asher's not really doing anything remarkable or he hasn't discovered a new way to walk. He's literally just started walking in the way that his dad was always walking. And then it occurred to me, who am I walking like? Like, who am I as a 33-year-old man filled with the Holy Spirit? Who am I actually walking like? Because when the Scripture sort of jumped at me, I was a little bit shocked. It was like the Holy Spirit disrupted me. And I was like, hang on a second, God, I'm really easily influenced by Harvey Specter, but God, I pray that I'm more influenced by your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that the way in which I walk reflects your way, not the world's way. God, I pray the way in which I walk imitates you. You know, the, the, the way in which we walk is a reflection of what influences us the most. So if you're like Isaiah, I need to assess the way I walk this morning, please invite God to do that. Because what usually happens is when we invite God to assess the way in which I walk, we start realizing really soon who I'm influenced by the most. And it's my prayer that as Spirit-filled Christians who are called to go into the world and make disciples of all men, it is my prayer that the greatest influence in our life is the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer. 
But the reality is, is that we are so easily influenced by everything else. Matthew 12, 10 um, to 13 says, where he noticed the man with the deformed hand and the Pharisees asked Jesus, does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? In brackets, it says they were hoping he would say yes so they could bring charges against him. And he answered, if you had a sheep that fell into the well on a Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Then Jesus answers, yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored just like the other one. You know, just like the man with the crippled hand, life sometimes causes us to have a limp. It does. Maybe it's a wayward child. Maybe it's the upbringing. Maybe it's the uni stress. Maybe it's the faith of stepping out into a new business and doing something great. I've realized as a pastor for a little while now, working with young people and now working with adults, which by the way, can I just say, young people are far easier than adults. But I've realized that life sometimes causes us to have a limp. And many of us will say things like this, I walk like this because I was born like this. People say things like this, I walk like this because this happened in my life. Or I walk like this because they left me. But what I've noticed based on the text of Jesus's ministry is this, I wonder if we have exposed our limp to the healer. The man with the crippled hand didn't put out his good hand and say, I'm fine. The man with the crippled hand was invited to expose his limp to the healer. And in 2023, we do not want to expose our limp. We pretend like we don't have a limp. If I was to look on your Instagram, I would say, man, your life is perfect. I mean, it is so aesthetically pleasing. Is it a sunset all the time in North Brisbane? We do not expose our limp to the healer. Do you know why? Because we're not vulnerable to people here. We're not vulnerable to one-on-one, which by the way, restoration happens in that process. Confess your sins to one another. So because we're not vulnerable in social media world, we're definitely not vulnerable to people around us. And what ends up happening is then we don't become vulnerable with the Holy Spirit. And can you imagine if this man with the deformed hand was like, God, I'm sweet. Everything is fine. He would not have received his healing. And so what I would suggest for us today as we build according to God's blueprint is this, please stop withholding your limp from the healer. That is the one place that you can take your limp and can I tell you something, he's the best chiropractor in the world. He will crack you back, he will restore you, he will do what only God can do. But the question for all of us is, are we accepting the limp Or is the limp pointing us to the healer? God, yeah, I do. I did walk like this because this happened. But God, I'm bringing it to you because I know you're my healer. God, I know you're my savior. God, I know you're my redeemer. And and, and it's so easy nowadays to label things, right? We've got labels for everything. We really do. But I wonder if we've forgotten the label of God. Did you know that one of God's name is Jehovah Balparazem, which means God at the breakthrough? 
which means any barrier, any ceiling, any obstacle, there is a God whose name breaks through those barriers. And so it's about time that I bring my limp to Balperism. I don't wanna know the limp's name. I just wanna know his name. But what is your name? What does your name say to this? Maybe I haven't exposed my limp to a new way of walking. And can I tell you something? The title of this message is called Jesus Walks, but I'm here to tell you something today. If you have a limp, it just suggests this one thing, that there's a better way to walk. There's a better way to walk. And it's walking fully restored by our Jesus. If I have a limp, there's a sign, there's a better way to walk. We try to fix our limp with DIY religion. Maybe if I come to church, maybe if I do these things, but have we bought our limp to the healer. The way of the world has a walk. And I need to speak into this because some of us, I think, like I said, Harvey Specter was very like sneaky in the way in which he influenced me. In the same way, the way of the world has a way of walking. And I think if we're not careful, we'll end up imitating it and not even realizing it. 1 John 2, 15 to 17 says this, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world Listen to, what, listen to what it is, and I love this version. Wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear, appear important has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. A deeply transformed life is our goal. So I want for a few minutes just to look at the way in which Jesus walked. How did he walk? And the first point that I wanna suggest is that he walks where you are. Not where you should be. Not where you could be. Jesus walks where you are. And I love this. And I'll read it to you. Matthew 4, 18 to 22 says this. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets out once and they followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two brothers and James and John sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called to them to come. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Let's just say from the outset that if we want to see how Jesus walks, first we have to accept this, that he walks where you are, which is fantastic because these brothers were not looking for Jesus, but Jesus was looking for them. And I just need to let you know that because some of you think that you are the great initiator of your faith. You are not. He is the initiator and we are the responders. We love because he first loved us. And when it starts getting tired and when I start getting exhausted and when I start getting a bit of a limp is when I think that he is supposed to respond to me. No, 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 no. God is the great initiator out of, of our faith. Our only job is to respond to him. And what I love about Jesus is he was found on the shore of these brothers' lives, ready to fulfill the destiny that was in them from the beginning. This is what it was like, it was like this. Jesus would say, you thought you were fishing for fish? I've come to show you and call that you are actually called to be fishing for men. 
And this is what God does. He puts the super on the natural things of life. Oh, you thought you were just a mother. No, 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 no. I'm calling you to be a mother to raise champions. Oh, you just thought that you were a musician. No, 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 no. I'm calling you to be a musician or a worshiper that makes an incense to the Lord. See, a lot of the times we just think it's these natural things. Oh, you thought you were just a sports player. No, 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 no. The gift that God has given you is actually greater than just this natural transaction. And Jesus is found on the shore of their lives, beckoning for them to follow him. And I really feel like the Holy Spirit is constantly on the shore of our lives, beckoning us to follow him. Why? Because what he's saying is there's a better way to walk. There's a better way to fish. There's a better way to do life. There's a better way to raise your kids. There's a better way to do ministry. And if I follow him, and I walk in the way in which he walked, I will see the fruit that is attached to abiding in God. The disciples decided there was a better way for them to walk. And they walked away from fishing to walk like Jesus, which if you're like, okay, Isaiah, then there has to be a catch. Like, What am I supposed to do? If he's on the shore of my life beckoning for me to follow him, what do I need to do? The scriptures say that these men dropped their nets You know why they did that? Because that life does not define them anymore. I'm dropping my nets because you're showing me a better way to walk. And so if you're wondering what am I supposed to do on this great journey of faith, I would say for you, when God calls you out of something, we need to drop our nets and we need to follow Jesus into the unknown. We need to follow Jesus. Some of us are carrying seasons of old nets as we're walking with Jesus and we're wondering why life feels heavy. It's like Jesus didn't say for you to carry the net. He said, drop your nets at once and they followed him. There are some things that we can't take from the old season into the new. And so here's an encouragement to you. Drop your net and follow Jesus. We're Christians, we're spirit-filled, but we're still mimicking a walk that Jesus never told us to walk. Can you imagine if he said, hey, come and follow me, and they continued to take their nets? It's like, hang on a second. No, no, no. You can't walk with the nets. You're not a fisherman anymore. You're a fisher of men. There is a difference now. Remember, there's a better way to walk. He walks where you are. He didn't go to the temple at first. He didn't go to the best behaved. He didn't go to the well put together. He went to fishermen amongst the poorest people somewhat educated people, he went there first and he walks along the shore of our life inviting us to walk in a different way. But let's look at some of Jesus' rhythm. Uh, I, I I wanna suggest for some of you busy people, by the way, it seems to me that Jesus was never in a hurry. In fact, did you hear me this morning? I know we're, I know we're mid-session, but did you realize that Jesus was never in a hurry? Never. In fact, to some, he was late. Jesus late? Yeah, listen to this. John 11, 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. So if we're we're watching the way Jesus walks, can I suggest one thing? Jesus was very deliberate in every step that he took. And to some people, they were like, you're late. If you could have been here, this wouldn't have happened. But guess what? Jesus was walking very deliberate. 
You know, in Mark 135, it says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. And guess what? When the disciples found Jesus, they said this, hey, everyone is looking for you. I love that before Jesus did anything, he was not easily found because his priority was meeting with the Father. If we're gonna take any suggestions on how we should walk, could I suggest that the most important meeting of our days should be with the Holy Spirit? Can I suggest the most important meeting of everything that we do should be with the Holy Spirit? Another thing God, Jesus was, if we watch the way he walked, is he was thoughtful. Matthew 14, 14 says, Jesus saw the huge crowd and as he stepped from the boat, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. By the way, he had somewhere to go. Jesus actually had somewhere to go, but he stopped and he had compassion for the sick and he prayed for them. Some of us are so busy, we don't stop and realize that sometimes the answer to somebody's problem is you. It's an encouraging word. It's a thoughtful prayer. It's speaking destiny over somebody's life. And guess what? Oftentimes if we're being led by God, it is not found in your calendar. Oftentimes, if we're being led by God, what he tends to do is he tends to interrupt our schedule. But I would welcome God to do that if it means that I'm walking like him. And the last thing, if we're looking, is he was spirit-led. Matthew 4.1 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, by, to be tempted there by the devil. He was spirit-led. So he was deliberate. He was never in a hurry. He was thoughtful. And he was spirit-led. This is what I'd say to everybody. I feel like we know how Jesus talks, right? Some of us got scriptures ready to go. We know how Jesus talks. We know what Jesus says. We know what church is supposed to be like. But I wonder if we actually know how Jesus walks. Because if we really start to see how Jesus walks, it will, what, what it will do is it will suggest for us this morning that there is a better way to walk. Do we sound like Jesus? but do we look like him? We sound like Jesus, but do we look like him? Are we so fixated on routine that we dismiss the lonely? My friend at school, Asher, who walked on his tippy toes, he only walked like that because he imitated his dad. It's just my prayer this morning, or this afternoon now, that we would imitate our father, that we would imitate the way in which Jesus walks. The second thing we gotta do is we gotta walk close, by the way. And some of you are like, yeah, of course I say I gotta walk close. But I mean like really close. <laughs> like we gotta walk really, really close. In the beginning, I know what it's like to walk with Jesus. When we first get saved, we know what it's like. It's exciting. We're telling everybody we're a Christian, he's close. I mean really close. But if we, if we, look, at the, if we look at God's calling and if we look at what following Jesus looks like from Old Testament as God to New Testament as Jesus, I think we could all suggest and sort of think to ourselves this morning that following Jesus is risky. If I follow Jesus, it means that friends won't like me. If I follow Jesus, it means I'm gonna have to stand up for some things. If I follow Jesus, it means I'm gonna have to say no to some things. If I follow Jesus, it means I'm gonna have to say yes to some things. I mean, think about this. God said to Abraham, hey, Abraham, go to the place in which I'll show you. Like, have you ever thought about that? Like some of you are like, yeah, yeah, I've heard the scripture, but like, would you do it? 
Some of you are like, yeah, I would. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> Go to the place to which I'll show you. Okay, God, so was it this way, this way? Like, how far are we going? I've realized that the journey of faith is sort of going into the night. It's like, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know the directions. I don't know exactly what I'm following, but God, I'm trusting you. To Samuel, he woke up, Samuel, a boy in the middle of the night. God hadn't spoke for years. And he says to Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. Finally, Samuel realizes after Eli told him, but he says, speak, God, your servant's listening. And he says, we're about to do a shocking thing in Israel. Huh? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that look like? Like, if we really talk about the journey of faith, God speaks and the question is, do we trust him? The question is, will we follow him? To Isaiah, Isaiah, a young man, caught up in a vision from God, has a swearing issue, lives amongst people with unclean lips, God deals with it, sears his mouth. And then the question is, who will go for us? Who shall I send? Isaiah, caught up in the presence of God, feels compelled to respond and says, here I am, Lord, send me. Hang on, send me where? <laughs> Hang on, send me why? Is he, some of us are like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll follow Jesus. But like my question is like, are we really following him? <laughs> like where he'll say for you to go somewhere and do something and it makes absolutely no sense and we want the directions, but what if he's the direction? We want the networking, but what if he's the network? We want the blessing, but what if he is the blessing? So we want all of these things, but I'm challenging you this morning to say, if we are going to be filled with the Spirit of God, we need to walk closely with Him. The journey of faith looks like going into the night. I'll tell you a story about me. 13 years old, I get invited to a, a, a meeting, a church meeting. I've never knew who God was in my life. Grandma told me when I was a young boy that she spoke to Jesus. I didn't know what that meant. My grandma was a hippie. She was a feminist. She wasn't really filled with the Spirit, but I think she spoke to lots of gods because if I remember correctly, in my grandma's house, there was Buddha over here. There was a shrine over here. There was everything everywhere. So I don't deny that she spoke to Jesus, but she definitely spoke to a lot of other gods. I remember at 13 years old, my friend said, come to my party. I said, yeah, I'll come. And then he says, oh, we've got to go to church first. I said, all right. I went to church. I didn't even know what that was. You know what's weird, though? I did feel compelled as a young man to pray for my family every night. I didn't know who I was praying to. We ne I didn't know who God was, but I just felt compelled to every night. And if I yawned, I said, sorry, God, and I'd pray again. 13 years old, I get invited to a, to a church meeting. And there's a man leading worship with a Mambo shirt on. That is not ushering the presence of God in. I thought this was the early 2000s style. There was no, there was, this was on a, the, the building here is unbelievable. It was nothing like this. And I remember I was sitting in the pew and I was texting someone on my phone. I wasn't wanting to be there. I felt rain hit my hand as I was texting. And I thought, this is ridiculous. It's raining in church. I need to move down the pew. So I moved down the pew a little bit more and I continued to text. I felt rain hit my hand again. I thought to myself, this is really bizarre. So I moved down again and I felt rain hit my hand again. And at this point in time, I put my phone down and I was like, what if, what if God's trying to talk to me? And I sort of looked at my hand like, this is bizarre. And then I felt more and more and more and more. It traveled up my arm. And at that point in time, I realized maybe God is speaking to me. I don't know what this looked like. I don't, I've never heard from God before, but I thought to myself, this is interesting. And at this exact moment in time, the altar, the altar call is happening. It's like God's getting my attention because he's calling me to walk differently. 
So as I'm sitting in the pew, I look at my friend who's a spiritual believer, prays before every test. He's one of those guys. I look at my friend, I look at my hand, I look at my friend, and my friend's looking at me, and he has this really crazy Pentecostal laugh going on. But he's like, <laughs> like he's been praying and fasting for this moment. I'm a little bit weirded out by him, but I can't deny that God is speaking to me. And I look at him again, and he's laughing at me, and I'm like, Jack, I think I need to go up there. I didn't know what an altar call was. I didn't know what even was happening. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. The hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life is get off of that pew and get to the front. I felt a war over my life in that moment, but I had to do it. I get up the front. I'm standing there. A man comes and prays to me. I'm filled with the Spirit of God. I start speaking in tongues on my way down. I hit the deck. In one night, I'm called to ministry, set free, and filled with the Spirit of God. In one night. I hadn't even said the sinner's prayer yet. Some of you are like, oh, that's the wrong format. Take it up with God. <laughs> but I did feel so compelled. I found the preacher and I said, hey, I just need to say a prayer, I think, like just to seal all this. He's like, you're saved, you're set free, you're called by God. But I know what it's like when we find, when God speaks to our hearts in the beginning, walking closely to God is a joy. It's like, man, I love it. I'm filled, I'm ready to rumble. But then what also happens is staying close to God is harder. So many voices, there's so many things pulling us from here to there. But if I am to walk like Jesus, the challenge and the great challenge of my life is to make sure that He is closer now than He was when I first got saved. The challenge now is to make sure He is closer than ever before. If we look at the disciples in the New Testament, right, and, 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 and can I just suggest, if we're gonna be really practical right now, I think we all need to be discipled by somebody. We need to walk with somebody on this journey of faith. But if you look at the old, in the New Testament, discipleship was interesting because before Jesus, there were all these rabbis, and some of you may have heard the story, but when, 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 a, when a student finally graduated and finally was accepted to become a rabbi which, or to follow the rabbi, which was very rare, they would walk so closely to the rabbi that people would chant or say this thing on the way out. They'd say, may you be covered by the dirt of the rabbi or by the dust of the rabbi, which suggested that there was proximity. Like I am so close to the one who I'm following. May the dust of the rabbi cover me. And I just pray today in 2023 that we would be so close to the Holy Spirit that the dust of the Holy Spirit, figuratively speaking, would cover me because I'm so close to God. I need to make sure that I'm walking closely. I'm gonna get the keys to come up. Everything that I do needs to be out of a place of closeness. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. This is, this is what Paul says, and this is our challenge today. I love it because Jesus was a rabbi, and we all know that. He wasn't an ordinary rabbi. He was the great rabbi. He was the rabbi who, was, who conquered death, crucified on behalf of the sins of the world, if I want to think of any like analogy of where Jesus walked and it got a little bit rough, I mean, we could talk about Peter denying Jesus. Like that was rough. Swore at a high school girl at, at a fire pit. Denied Jesus. But one of the ones I think is 
really tough is when, when Jesus beckons them to come and walk on the water. At first they were like, who is this? Is this a ghost? And then this is when we really realize that this rabbi is different to all the other rabbis. Because <laughs> your rabbi is great, but my rabbi can walk on the water. So he's out on the water and he beckons them to come. And the scriptures say, he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Jesus is going to call us into things that seem naturally impossible. Do you know why? Because your supernatural source of strength is not found from within, it's found from Him. Do you understand that? Your resume might look awesome, your experiences might look awesome, but if you can do it and not need God, then I would just suggest that you need a greater level of faith. I wanna walk in the same way in which He did. And there are many seasons of life where He's gonna call us onto the waves. He's gonna call us and beckon us into scary places. I remember 13, I get saved. 17, I get called to be a youth, uh, get called into Bible college. So I do Bible college. I wish God told me that when I accepted to do Bible college, that I would question myself more than ever before. I wish God would have told me that when He called me to do Bible college, I would get upset at God because I would say things like this, God, I don't have a great heritage. God, I don't have a great history. God, I don't have families or mums or dads or grandparents that prayed for me. I'm out here on my own doing Bible college. I wish God told me that. But what I realized is that my supernatural strength was not found from my identity in me. It was found from my identity in Him. 22, I feel called to start a youth ministry. I wish God told me that when I did the youth ministry, I would hate it for three years. I wish God told me that I would be more stressed than ever before running a youth ministry week in and week out, having a heart for hundreds of young people to come and only having 12 little brats show up. I wish God told me that, but in the process of me walking and following and leaning and learning, we love the hell out of those 12 kids. And guess what? Those 12 kids became 30 became 60, became 120. And this was the best part. My senior pastor, who was my father-in-law and my employer, which was a nightmare. We hit 120 kids in a regional city called Cairns. You may have heard of it. And um, we hit 120 kids. And I remembered I went into his um, office and I put my foot up on his, feet up on his desk. I was a savage, by the way. I was a rebel. I put my feet up on his desk and I was like, well, God, we did it. 120 kids, it's revival. Zumbly, <laughs> unprecedented times, you know. <laughs> Never seen anything like this. And I felt the burden of God come over my life and said, Isaiah, there's so much more. There's so much more. And my heart broke and everything in me broke. And we outgrew our church building. We had a church building in the city and we're like, well, what are we gonna do? So we're like, let's go to high school. So every Friday night, we bumped into a high school with a racing car trailer. Speakers, everything. Youth, youth leaders were built different back then. <laughs> I'll talk to you youth leaders later. We, we're loading in every single week. We finally get there and after a year of being there, we see the youth ministry grow to 400 young people. The first person that got saved, that 12 brat kids that I was complaining about to God, 
he would have been a statistic. He was from a terrible suburb in, in Cairns. He would have been a statistic for sure. God redeemed his life. He's now the youth pastor of that same youth ministry that we started. He's now married. His wife is the Bible college principal. Like you can't tell me that following Jesus doesn't result in the abundant life that He promised. Don't give up. Don't stop following. There is supposed to be winds. There is supposed to be waves. But guess what? The greatest thing is that Jesus, our Saviour, our healer, defies all of those natural things. And the same wind and waves that tried to crush us in a season will be the same wind and waves that we stand upon. So hang on a second. My God is greater than this. 24 years old, we start a Bible college. We see 35, over the course of it, we saw about 30 to 40 people go through the college. It was awesome. And I get to a Youth Alive event and I'm in the, in the mosh and really just making sure our teenagers are well behaved. But I felt like the Lord sort of suggested I need to incline my ear. He's gonna speak to me. So I lifted my hands, I said, yes, Lord. And as I closed my eyes, I, I saw the Gateway Bridge, which I'd never crossed, by the way. So I thought, is that a bridge in Seattle? <laughs> like, I'd never seen that bridge before. And I saw the Gateway Bridge and, and I felt like the, the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm calling you to move. And I didn't know where I was going, but I felt like I needed to move. And so I, I, I went, to, <laughs> when I saw that vision from God, I actually saw my father-in-law's head pop right here. Okay, my father-in-law is Greek Albanian and he is the most intimidating man you will ever meet. And it's not from height, it's just from hair on his arms. You know what I mean? Like, he is a scary guy. And um, I saw his head pop up in, in the corner of my eye. He was like, a vision from God's not enough. You need scripture. I was, yes. You know. And so I prayed and I, I said, God, like... I need, I need something if this is from you. And Exodus 33, it came to my spirit and it says, um, go to the land to which I promise you and your descendants. You know, walking with God is exciting. It's, it, it is full of ups and downs, but I tell you what, the trials and tribulations that I've faced has developed me into the person that I never thought that I would be if I didn't walk closely with the Holy Spirit. We end up moving here and here we are where I, I see, you know what's so funny, listen to this. The bridge that I saw in my vision, I moved, we moved to a new farm and we went, we finally got a, an apartment sort of in Brunswick Street. It was really the best way that we could have moved to Brisbane, like living in that sort of area. And um, I had never seen the apartment. There was limited photos on realestate.com, but we just moved in in faith. And I opened it up and I was like, well, babe, this is it. This is awesome. How good is this? And I opened the sliding door and you could see the gateway or the story bridge. You can see the story bridge. And I thought to myself, man, if this is not the faithfulness of God in my life, I don't know what is. Do you know that God is beckoning us to walk closely with Him? I want to walk so close that God, everything that I touch, everything that I do is marked by your Spirit. The last thing is we need to watch our step. You know, in Ephesians 5, 15 to 17, it says, so watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what your master wants. Why do I need to watch my step? Listen to me, please zone in right now. The reason I need to watch my step is because little steps turn into long walks. And I can end up being in a place that God never intended for me to be just because I didn't watch my step. 
I need to watch my step. Every step that I take, God, is this where you want me to go? God, is this what you want me to do? God, is this what you want me to give? God, is this how you want me to serve? I want us to keep short accounts with God as we walk closely with Him. You need to watch your step. I want to say this one just for the, I guess this is for all of us, but particularly for the young adults. Psalm 1, 1 to 3 says this, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, stand around with sinners or join with mockers. There's another one that says, um, those are oh, the joys who don't walk with the wicked, stand with the sinners or sit with the mockers. Can I tell you something? It's very important in, in, in this life of faith that we make sure we, 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 we keep stock of who we're keeping company with. Because there is, listen to this, there's a decline in our walk. The psalmist says, First we walk, then we stand, and then we sit. Do you know, being a pastor, and I've only been a pastor for a little bit, we need to watch our step because our steps are under attack. Every step that I take is under attack. I need to watch it because I'm telling you something. You know what the most heartbreaking thing for me is? People who haven't watched their step and they've stand, they've, they've walked, stood, and sat and now trying to get people off of that seat. <laughs> Do you know how hard it is? <laughs> trying to get people to start that journey again. We need to watch our step, every step that we take. Why? Because Jesus is constantly showing us that there is a better way to walk. There's a better way to walk. I wanna close with this. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 says this. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Walk with me and work with me. It's my prayer this afternoon that God is reigniting in you a better way to walk reigniting in your heart again that there's a better way to walk closely with God, to watch my step and to imitate Him at all times. That is my prayer that the Holy Spirit would start to burden you again with the desire to follow Him wholeheartedly into the unknown, into the night to follow Him. I want you to close your eyes and just right across this place, there is a there's this, this is awesome story, and, and, and I think I just need to land on this one. I wasn't going to, but um, when Jesus started his ministry, he was, he was on the, I think he was on the way to Galilee, I think. I, he was on his way somewhere, and then there was a, he said, but I must go through Samaria. I must go through Samaria. And the disciples and everybody, if you knew the map, you would suggest, Samaria is not a shortcut. Samaria, it, it, was, a, it was a long cut. It was, it, was, it was risky. It wasn't the best route to take to get to where he needed to get to. But there was a woman that was waiting there. And the woman that was waiting there was, it was the design of God to make sure that He would minister to this woman. This woman, she was uh, isolated, kicked out. Uh, she had to go and draw water from a separate well. Um, she had been divorced, she had been mistreated and God decided to make sure that He would reveal Himself to her. And I've realised that oftentimes on our walks, God is gonna take us down different paths or do different things that doesn't make sense. But oftentimes those paths and those things that don't make sense, there are people waiting on the other end. 
This woman was waiting for Jesus. And he said, guys, I'm going to show you a better way to walk. It's not always the quickest way. It's not always the shortest way. God, I want it to be the deliberate way. Every step that I take. And I think that if we really walk in step with the Holy Spirit, what's going to happen is on our journey, there are going to be people that are going to be waiting for you, waiting for an answer from you. And so God, I just pray in this moment that our hearts would soften once again to the way in which you walk. God, that our hearts would soften once again to be able to say, God, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, God, I'll follow you. I'll follow you into the night. God, I pray that there would be a fire that would even start to kickstart in our hearts again.